Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hey, everybody. So 2022 and we're in January and the theme of the entire year is reemergence. But I realized that January needs to be reemergence as well, that theme, because emerging means to, well, let me just read it to you, to come forth into view or notice as from concealment or obscurity. It also means to rise or to come into existence. And I think for many of us, myself included, we're coming out, right? We're coming back into existence. We are re-emerging. We are coming into the world again. And it's a whole new Megillah. And we all get to explore together how we want to be in this brand new world. How do we want to move from obscurity or concealment or hiding and be more of that light that we are? Last year was about light leaders. How do we want to be the light? How do we want want to lead our lives with light, with love, with joy? Because 2022 is all about connections and love. So I'm asking you right now, how do you choose to reemerge into your life? And while you contemplate that, here's our show for today. So I am so curious how this conversation is going to go today because I am talking to an author and a coach and a, a PhD person and She's written several books, but her latest one um, caught my attention. And it's called From Triggered to Tranquil, How Self-Compassion and Mindfulness Presence Can Transform Relationship Conflicts and Heal Childhood Wounds. Okay, that's a big mouthful. But I want to welcome Susan Campbell. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here, Susan. Okay, so you just said everything that um, I have personally been attempting to do over the last <laughs> years, you know, as well as healing my childhood wounds. That's been specific this year and transforming relationship conflict. So getting from triggered to tranquil, what caused you to write this book first? What, cause I'm curious about that. I've been a relationship coach for 55 years. So wow. I've, seen a lot of different kinds of relationship conflicts and I've kind of boiled down the core cause of of almost all human suffering and conflict and that's the fear of emotional pain yeah I'm raising my hand because right. who doesn't have that fear uh, I I do so all and, right and then that that led me, okay, the fear of emotional pain. That's what people are trying to protect themselves from. 
when they're dodging or attacking or blaming or, you know, or, or even feeling their own shame, they're not able to really find what they need to communicate because they're afraid of things like rejection, abandonment, uh, being invisible, not being important, being trapped, being used. So there's, there's, these are, when I'm labeling off these fears now, these are what are behind people's emotional triggers. These, actu- these words are, are actually about emotional pain. You know, like if, if, if I was criticized a lot as a child, I'm going to have some pain that I carry with me until I do the healing work. And that's going to pop up in my adult relationships. So what I saw really in all this couples work I've done is basically everybody's got childhood wounds that mess up their adult relationships. And it doesn't have to be that way. We can use these painful memories and these painful disclosures to heal ourselves and help our partners heal. Uh, okay. So Susan, I just got to say, you know, I, as you were listing all those things, I'm like, how did she know I have that and that mm-hmm. wait and that, and that, so do, does most everybody have most of these? Yeah. Wounds? yeah I'll, I'll do this thing called the favorite fears contest when I'm with a big audience and I'll say how many people, I mean, this is only in the last 10 years that people have been able to use this language about themselves and mm-hmm. identify these things, especially in public, but People will say, I'll say fear of abandonment, anybody? And they'll all raise their hand. Fear of rejection, yes. Fear of criticism, fear of being judged, misunderstood. Okay, so I bet those all sound pretty familiar to people. And what they look around, wow, I'm not alone. That See, I think that's a big one for people to not want to dive deep into that shadow side of themselves or that wounding, because... I, and I used to think this about myself. I'm the only one that's got that. I'm the, I'm the misfit. I'm the broken person or whatever. And, and that's not true. It's not. Yeah. So, okay. So what do you recommend when you, with, with your clients, when you start to uncover these emotional pain points? I teach people self-compassion. That's in the title. (laughs) How self-compassion can help transform your, not just your relationships, but heal your childhood wounds. And the practice that I teach is you start with an incident in an adult relationship. So this is not just for couples or intimate partners. It's for everybody. And and as you know, I've got a chapter about being triggered by the news or being triggered by the world situation. So I've broadened it way out now. But anytime you have one of those kind of, oh, I'm about to be misunderstood. Of course, you don't think it. Your mind doesn't get in gear, but you're just, if you inquire later, you'll find, oh, it's about my fear of being misunderstood. That's why I over-explained so much and then people didn't want to hear me and they started walking away. <laughs> it's like the more you drive my spouse, he was just talking to me before we came on and, oh my God, that's that's part of it. Okay, wow. Yeah, it's a very, that's a very common protection. It, you know, we call it defensiveness, but just to you know, over-explain. But the the idea here is, oh, I get to notice that I'm 
acting out of this fear of being misunderstood because what the the compassionate self-inquiry process is it's a big part of the book is you just start with any moment of disruption uh upset in a relationship or even just in yourself mm-hmm. and i'll just give you the punchline i won't give you all the steps but you you learn to treat that part of yourself as a much loved child. Okay, I just got chills. Yes, because- it's really teaching yourself, teaching your people how to reparent themselves. Reparent. Uh, so this is fascinating to me, uh, Susan, because this summer I took off from my business mm-hmm. um, to do a really deep dive of what was keeping me stuck. Mm. and. Um, not being seen and heard was a childhood wound and mm-hmm. that went back to like three years old. Yeah. I didn't know that. And then it became the operating system behind everything right. That's right. in my life until I'm in my 60th something year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm still in that merry-go-round of not being seen and heard. And all these other ones, like I said, I could tick them all off that you said being misunderstood and all rejected and abandoned. So reparenting that, that small individual, Mm -hmm. um, how do we do that? Well, let's see, there's um, a number of what I call steps to trigger work. Trigger work is kind of like what you did this summer, um, looking inward. So you first get to really know and accept the fact that you're triggerable. That's the, that's the first step. And, and so, you know, I have to do in the first chapter of the book, it's about accepting your triggers and working through any shame you have, or even when we have shame, sometimes we have a tendency to blame somebody else. Like, oh, why, God, yes. why did they say it that way? And then I wouldn't have felt so invisible. No, right. Why couldn't exactly. they have just given me one, one more sentence you know, why did they, you know, why did they stop there? So, you know, we make these, these are called reactive stories. So you learn your reactive body sensations, like free, you know, freezing up and feeling like tight. Then you learn, oh, why couldn't they have? That's like a reactive story. So you learn all the different parts of your trigger reaction. And I take people through a number of exercises and quizzes that kind of sell you on the idea that, hey, it's normal to get triggered. It's a survival. The trigger reaction is a survival reaction that's built into all humans' nervous systems. And it was originally programmed into our brain when we were in the wilds and Mm -hmm. it was an evolutionary advantage to just react fast without even going, Oh, is that, is that bush that's shaking over there? Is that a tiger or is that not? Well, I'll just throw a spear at it and, you know, cover, cover my bases or I'll just run like hell. And so those fast reactions are programmed into us. It's, it's the amygdala part of the brain and a lot of, people are talking about getting your amygdala hijacked. That's kind of a popular term now among certain podcasters and intellectuals. What does that mean? Yeah. I want to tell people what that means. It means that 
somebody says something, usually it's unintentional. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll just say, oh, oh, why'd you wear that blouse today? <laughs> and, and you take it like, whoa, I'm, I'm wounded. Right. Because, because you have a filter that you're going through life looking through that says, you know, people are critical of me. I'm not good enough. So, so you take it that way. Other people, you know, would, would not be triggered by that, but they'd be triggered by something else like, like you, like being ignored. Right. Um, so what, what we do then, I think, well, I think you, I think you asked me why, why does that happen or what do we do? I'm, I'm kind of, what does it mean that your amygdala gets hijacked? hijacked. So it means then that, um, I've taken, I've taken that to mean something that's against me. And anytime I feel like something's against me or something's a threat, my amygdala is that part of the brain that's going to just react fast with no ability uh-huh. to go, wait, did they mean that as an insult? Um, maybe they're just asking a question. Why did I wear that blouse? Well, I, I, I wore it to match your shirt, honey. You know? right. <laughs> I can take it as a friendly thing instead uh-huh. of, instead of, well, you don't like this blouse, you know? Right. Uh, some, some of us are a little on edge there. So that we're getting our amygdala hijacked when we take something that somebody did as a, a wounding kind of an action. We take it as a threat. We see the world as a threat or we see the other person momentarily. It doesn't mean we're always going to. But in that moment, we feel unsafe. We put up some kind of protection. If, you know, if our amygdala is hijacked, we have very narrow options when your amygdala is hijacked. Because it basically means you're coming from, oh, and I, I was going to say you have only three options, fight, flight, or freeze. But most of us have just one option because our nervous systems are programmed either to be more of a fighter or a person who gets reasonable when they get triggered and try to t- talk the other person down. Oh, no, uh-huh. you're, you're misunderstanding me. Or to freeze. Oh, it's just things. This situation's hopeless. I just have to numb myself. So each person has their own sort of individual trigger signature. Some, some go more on the offense, some on the defense, and, and some just kind of go away. So that amygdala is, is when we're born, we can either go fight, flight, or freeze, but over our lifetime, we favor one of those three Fs more okay. than others. Right. You know, we're, either, we're, we're either the aggressor or the person who's more passive. So getting your amygdala hijacked basically means you are out of control of the the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that you want to come from most of the time. You're not able to connect with your prefrontal cortex. It's like that part of you just went offline. The prefrontal cortex is the part of the being that can cooperate, can empathize, can listen to other points of view that are different from your own, which is very important in these times of great diversity. Um, So that's the prefrontal prefrontal cortex. The amygdala can't do any of that. It's just kill or be killed, fight or flight, that type of thing. Right. So you want to have tools 
for getting your amygdala out of the way, kind of calming it down, you know, like, oh, honey, oh, yeah, that hurt. He may or may not have meant it, you know, and then you get your prefrontal cortex. No, he didn't mean it. You know, he's a compulsive joker or he's always poking at people. You know, you, you, you remind yourself of what you already know. Once you've calmed yourself down, you can get you can get that higher brain power back. So, Susan, can we talk about uh, blaming and shaming and projection? Because Mm -hmm. that is like that's exactly what's been happening for the last couple of years. Well, it's been happening for centuries, everybody. But the blaming shaming game has Mm -hmm. just heightened. Yes. And that's intentional sometimes intentionally trying to hijack somebody else's amygdala so you can get the upper hand. I mean, certain people in power are able to do that to others. And we've seen it on the news. Oh, God. You know, insulting somebody if they disagree with you, uh, threatening somebody if they disagree with you. You know, I mean, you know, we used to I've I've worked a little bit in New York City politics and, you know, we, we used to kind of say, oh, well, that's politics. You know, you bad mouth your partner. But things have gotten way way out of hand here with public blaming, shaming, uh, tearing up people's reputations and stuff like that. And that, of course, that's going to hijack my amygdala if I see on social media. And then there's this other thing, you know, social media and all that, something that is designed to ruin my reputation, you know? So that's that's not true. And not true. So this is fascinating to me because I just had a personal experience of this mm-hmm. with a very, very close dear friend. Mm-hmm. And I've had to put our relationship on hold because there, there was a conversation where she wanted me to do what she wants me to do mm-hmm. because it makes sense to her yeah. and all her analytics and studies and, and, um, and, and, and what she wants. I, I'll just be straight up. Holy mm-hmm. moly. God. Um, So I am one of the people that is choosing not to get vaccinated. The reason why Mm -hmm. is because my intuitive structure, my personal body system and energy system, Mm -hmm. every time I check in with myself, Mm -hmm. it's a no go. Don't do it. And, um, and people that have gone down the rabbit hole of this is why you need to Mm -hmm. can't accept that as reasoning. They don't see it as reasonable. And right. so this friend who I love and adore mm. has at dinner one night just pounded me and pounded me about, I don't understand why are you choosing not to? And yet she didn't want to hear why I was, cho- you know, my, whatever my answer, it wasn't the answer she wanted. And so she came at me another way and another way and another way when I, I finally just had to stand up and say, that's it. That's it. We're not having this conversation. And I didn't feel horrible. I didn't, uh, I wasn't vicious with her or anything. It was just like, boom, done. Yes. Uh, because she couldn't, there was no way to have a conversation so she would understand. And, and the bigger thing she said is if everybody got vaccinated, then I could have my business back again. Mm-hmm. So, it, so she's running from fear. Talk about an amygdala hijack. She's yeah. only in fear. And therefore, if everybody falls on her agenda line, 
right? And this is just one person. There are so many people. This is happening so much. So many friendships and family relationships are are being destroyed by this particular difference. And of course, there's other differences, but this is very painful and very personal. So um, it's... It's not, let's, let's, let's say they're people of goodwill on both sides. Okay? Yes. And, you know, I, I have my story. I'm, I'm going to be her now. Uh, I'm her. Uh, gee, all I can think of is the cost to me of not having, of, of, of having COVID be around, be a threat. So she's got her story. You know, and it's a real story. A I don't. Story. I don't mean the you know the mental the mental story of you're against me. She just has her own life experience. You have your life experience, and this is and, and, and this is true of all polarization. You have yours of I'm I'm an intuitive person. I've learned to trust my intuition. I listen to my body and so forth. You know, right. and so there's like different personality types. You know, the thinking type and the intuitive type. There's mm-hmm. life experiences that we need all of our higher brain power. Yeah. Online, really online. And so when I have that story that this is so important to me because of my business, you know, I want to empathize. I want to empathize with both sides of this and let's get above the level of the problem. You can't solve a problem with, you know, you should, no, I shouldn't, you know, on the, you can't solve the problem there. We have to get up above the level of problem and see, okay, what does this person need? What does this person need? Um, Is, is there a, you know, first, any way for them to just respect and empathize with each other, not while your amygdala is hijacked. No, no, no. And when we, you know, at this level of the problem, it really, it, it really is very hard to get out of, of some kind of fear. Fear, right? And this isn't. This has been ongoing with her since lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, a year and a half plus, mm-hmm. and and so her amygdala is just running amok. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's fed by certain media. Oh, and yeah, then, yeah. And then somebody, you know, on her side of the, the, the aisle, we'll call it for now, uh, would, would think that, that you've gone down a rabbit hole. Because if they think that, if anybody thinks anybody's gone down a rabbit hole, they're a little bit hijacked. I hate to say it. Well, and, and for some reason oh, in, in the logical <laughs> part of the brain, right? It it kind of makes sense with that story. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, your what you said makes perfect sense about your And inter- I'm not telling anybody else not to. I just know no, me. No. And it's, it's threatening, isn't it? When somebody tells you what you're supposed to do with your oh, body. I have been pushed and bullied up that, against a wall. I mean, so bullied. Yeah, that's pretty threatening. By people that I love too. I'm like, look, just respect my choice. So what I would, what, how I, in, the, in the book, I show people how to take any upsetting situation that's going on in the world or in, you know, in your world, like COVID, like political polarization of other types and start with your feeling like 
right there when somebody s- doesn't listen to you, you know, right there, you're trying to answer her question sincerely. She starts cutting you off or whatever. So you start with the experience, well, of course, the memory of like three days ago. And so you bring it back into the present moment. And I won't take you all the way through it, but you inquire. And and I have many stories in the book where they start with an upsetting situation that having to do with world affairs. And um, you feel into that. And remember, I said, that's a tender part of you. The part that feels like, what? whoa, I'm not being listened to. I'm being invisible again. It's sort of like that. You know, so if people start with, just, oh, that's sort of tender. Let me inquire about that. Let me use this present trigger situation. That's, that's what we call them, or trigger stimulus to get to know myself more deeply. And so, you, you know, you will find uh, different times when, like, like, for example, you felt not heard, invisible, mm-hmm. validated. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to bring compassion to that part of yourself And in so doing, if we do enough of that, we're able to, I'm going to say, hold more frustrating situations without getting triggered. We're able to manage a little more gradually, a little more emotional pain, appropriate emotional pain, a little more, a little more. And at the same time, we're able to respect the boundaries of that tender part. And sometimes we do need to cut off a friendship. And I talk about that in the book and I recommend that in the book. Yeah, and that's a hard thing. Unfortunately, but we have to feel like, hey, sometimes it's not like my amygdala is hijacked, I'm a weak person. It's, this is re-traumatizing for me. This is not a healthy adult situation to be in. And so you sometimes have to, if, if marking a boundary, hey, we're not going to talk about that. If that doesn't work, you got to cut the relationship off sometimes. Yeah. And that's, I know that that's a challenge for so many people right now, because it's not just friends, it's family members. Yeah. That you are- can't really cut too many, certain family members, you can't cut them off, you know? Right. So then what do you do? You avoid them? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So then in coming to a place of self-compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I find for me in, 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 in my experience this year of, of loving myself more than I ever have, and that's my ongoing program, yeah. Dealy Do, uh, that compassion makes everything more gentle within me. So that, like you just said, I, I, can, I can receive a little more pushing or shoving because I have compassion for myself and therefore it extends to the other person. Beautiful. I was going to say that, but I'm so glad you said it because I didn't oh. want to like, like shove it down anybody's throat that that should happen. But that is what happens. Once you get good at self-compassion, you really have more space for other different types of people. And it seems like how that happened. But- right. You know, there's a reminded, lot, but nature has its own logic. That, right. And I'm reminded, right. I was just saying the logic of healing. The logic of healing. So I'm reminded of the song, what the world needs now is love. Yeah. What the world needs now is self-compassion. Yes. And compassion. So um, 
Is that also because you've done a lot of conflict resolution, which is basically what we're talking about here, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so part of it is recognizing that you've been triggered, mm -hmm. recognizing that you're feeling against yeah. someone or someone's against you. Mm -hmm. How do you like, I kind of see it as a, um, well, you said that whole higher get above the problem, but I, I do see it at kind of as a, a, a triangle hmm. where there's a part where you can connect heart to heart mm -hmm. even and still retain your uh, opinion or your independence. Yes. Because resolving conflicts doesn't mean you succumb or you... That's right. Right? That's exactly right, Susan. Uh, I, I have a term called holding differences. And it's oh, a very high skill. It's mm -hmm. the ability to listen openly to somebody who really disagrees with you without losing your own stance or your own values or point of view. And uh, we can all learn to do that. And, but we do have to be more in charge of our amygdalas. <laughs> we have right. to learn the early warning signs. So there's a next, there's a whole chapter on learning all the different early warning signs that I'm about to get triggered. See, once you accept, first, the work is acceptance, because if you don't accept it, you're always going to be blaming somebody else for the fact that you got triggered. And as long as you're blaming somebody else, you'll never learn and grow. So I have another friend, if you will, <laughs> who gets triggered. He goes on a tirade. Mm. right about what he's triggered about and there's collateral damage mm. and then afterwards he goes oh i shouldn't have gotten so angry and then he has to go around and apologize to everybody mm -hmm. he does this continually mm -hmm. and every time i talk to him after one of his tirades mm -hmm. there he there is a little bit of what i was you know i needed to say this right mm -hmm. but still it and I'm saying that I'm bringing this up, Susan, because there are a lot of people that are going on their own tirades and then go, oh, my God, I've damaged, you know, right. people I love. No. And um, by saying things I shouldn't have. Yeah. And so how do you un not un how do you clean up the mess after the amygdala has been hijacked and you've been triggered? How, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I'll talk about repair in a second. But I want to say if if you learn these other tools you'll have to repair less, you know, Good. It's able, you can learn to slow everything down and we're all going to make messes sometimes. Okay. That we do need to repair and we need to be able to be forgiving. And the word now is repair. How do you repair the damages? You hopefully if, if it's a friendship that you um, value, I would first recommend that you have a pause agreement. So you actually consciously say at the first sign, now we're gonna, we're gonna work with Susan Campbell's tools from this book. And at the first sign of triggering, somebody can say the word pause and we'll both stop. I love now, that. Now that really can work even with very triggerable people if they value the relationship enough, if they respect themselves enough, and if they have a little bit of self-discipline, you know, just a little bit, and then you just, you'll fail. At first, you'll fail to pause more than you'll succeed, but then you'll, you'll learn. And so there's a lot of tools for how to create a pause agreement and, and then how to calm your nervous system down. Mm -hmm. 
really regulate yourself so you're back in your prefrontal cortex. Now, so that's in an ideal world. You learn how to pause and self-calm and, and even do some of the self-compassion work. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing those things doesn't prevent big messes from happening anyway. <laughs> okay, right, right. We have to be able to forgive ourselves and know that that's going to happen. So I teach people how to, I give them a script because like your friend, he sneaks in a little bit of, but I really had to do that, or I feel he felt I needed to. You, you, you kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. hinted that he he'll throw in a statement in his repair that's kind of a self-justification, and that erases almost the whole repair. <laughs> Once I hear that, I go, he's not sorry. He's just trying to sort of clear his good name. Right. So we need to learn how to repair without some of those little automatic self-defense things coming in here and there and so I give people a script so you don't you don't get to do that you don't get to explain yourself or defend yourself if you want to do that you do that once you're both feeling settled down and connected again and then you might say you know I still after you know I've I've apologized you've accepted it I'll tell you how to apologize in a minute but yeah you can have your little defense defensive moment if you need to, you know, we're calm. And I just, I can't get rid of my own defensiveness. Could I just explain myself a little bit more? And if you do it that way, the other person doesn't hear it as a justification. They hear it as a genuine need for me. So, uh, Asking permission to explain helps 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 the other person helps the other person this is this is after you've repaired um after you've already said when i cut you off in the middle of your sentence and started yelling i was triggered well first you give a you give a preamble you say something like i'd like to repair that incident between us that just happened Uh, when I said that I was triggered, it was probably my fear of not having control acting up. I'm so sorry I did that. You didn't deserve that. And sometimes you say those words and sometimes you don't. You have to be willing for the self-inquiry in the moment or, or, or as soon as possible after the, the incident self-inquiry you have to have done the self-inquiry before you do the repair and you have to have already gotten enough acceptance of your triggers so you're not afraid to go and admit i was triggered you know everything i said i didn't mean that was my 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 old fear cornered animal self coming out that type of thing. So you right. put the script, so you say it in the right order. And, and then you say, and, you know, if, you know, if I had it to do over, I would have paused at the moment that, that you said pause and I overrode you or at the moment that I started feeling the heat rising in my face. Cause I know that's one of my trigger signature elements. So there's different types of repair. Sometimes you repair, sorry that I didn't pause. Sometimes you, I mean, you always say, and I'm sorry, I did that behavior. Mm-hmm. If there's a behavior, 
Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you just say, and I, I, I need your help feeling that I do matter to you or that my voice is valued, something oh like goodness. that. So you, yes. just, you just reveal your vulnerable need at the end. And, and, and that's, it's all about you. Your repair is all about you revealing. You're not really trying to get reassurance necessarily from the other. If you're a married couple, it's a different repair and you do ask for specific kinds of reassurance to help each other heal their, their wounds. So each, each type of relationship gets its own repair script. Wow. I love that because, um, because I think so many, I, I, and being an ex-actress, right? I appreciate having, having some sort of script that I can kind of uh, follow when I'm in uncharted territory, right? Mm -hmm. and, and after having a, a trigger point, a trigger thing happen, you, you kind of are, even though it might be around similar stuff, you kind of are in an uncharted right. area. Right, and it's like you'll, it's it's still upsetting enough to the two people that you might regret if you don't have uh, the training wheels of this right. script, you'll regress into your old patterns of either over explaining or, oh, it was nothing. Don't worry about it, you know, on the other side. And neither of those are the most authentic. Susan. I, I so appreciate us talking about this today. You've given me personal insight and I hope that the people that listen feel the same way. So where the book is called From Triggered to Tranquil, How Self-Compassion and Mindful Presence Can Transform Relationship Conflicts and Heal Childhood Wounds. And who doesn't want that? Really? Come on, everybody. So Susan, uh, do you have a website people could go to if they want to contact you? Yes, um, susancampbell.com. And if they sign up for my newsletter, which is right there, how to do that on the homepage, I'll, I'll send you notice about my monthly free group coaching calls. Oh my goodness. I'll do a one hour free video, a Zoom call um, on Tuesdays, first Tuesday of the month. And I send out to my newsletter people uh, the login information for that. And I, I, I do three minute therapy with people on the call or oh I'll, do little, I'll do a little exercise with you. So I want to offer, offer this stuff. And, and plus that's a gift. I mean, you can order my book or I have 12 books out. You can order any of my books there. And I also have three card games that teach communication skills. One's called the getting real card game. One's called the truth and dating card game for new relationships. And one's called truth at work for work teams. So, um, but mostly I just say, you know, order my, order my book from Amazon, Barnes and Noble or some, somewhere, your local independent bookstore. I don't, I don't need to fill, fulfill book orders, but my games you can only get at susancampbell.com. Oh, well, and I think I'm going to go on your website and get one of those games because that we like to play games. Oh, they're, they're great. They're great. They're self-disclosure games too. Yeah. And they, and they spice up, uh, uh, you know, relationships or they help family members know each other on a much different level than they've ever known each other before. You know, you oh, can wow. use them in all different kinds of settings. How cool. Um, 
So Susan Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. That's it. Great. Susan, I just want to thank you today for your time. And I want to say thank you for all the amazing work you've done over all these many years, because um, I absolutely know you've made a difference in the lives of your clients, but a difference in the world. So thank you for doing this high, holy work. Mm. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Susan, for what you're doing in the world also. Thank you. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at SusanMorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.